Welcome to the PCOS Girls Podcast. I'm Bridget Warren, founder of PCOS to Wellness and creator of Sisterhood and Mamahood Teas. And I'm Melissa Christie, founder of PCOS Pathways and creator of the PCOS Journal. And guys, we are not doctors. We are just two women with PCOS who love reading about it, talking about it, writing about it, basically just oversharing about it. (laughs) So we recommend you find a health practitioner you love to support you on your journey. In the meantime, this podcast is all about how we have gone from hormonal messes to motherhood, the simple changes we've made to improve our PCOS and the ups and the downs of living with this complex condition. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the PCOS Girls. I am Bridget and I'm here with the lovely Mel. How you going, Mel? Hey. Oh, do you know what? I think we're both a bit in the same boat. I've seen your stories this morning. Um, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired, I'm tired. Too. Yeah. <laughs> But before we get um, ranting about how tired we are, I am actually super pumped for today's episode. Oh, me too. It's going to be a great one. So basically today we wanted to talk all about our own experiences with traditional Chinese medicine. And this is not coming from a practitioner's point of view. This is coming from our own personal experiences, what we've tried, what we've liked, what we haven't liked. Mm-hmm. I know Mel's going to give us a bit of like a background about PCM, which is Chinese traditional Chinese medicine, and also um, how to choose a good practitioner because I feel like that's a question I get asked personally a lot all the time. It's like, how do you know which one to go to? What should we be looking mm-hmm. for? So I'm going to cover that as well. And it's just going to be a really, I think, insightful episode because it's from our own perspectives. What yes. do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I'm very <laughs> excited about it because I like even reflecting leading into doing this episode, I was like, wow, like Chinese medicine has helped me in so many different aspects of this journey Same. at different times and in different ways. And I, I kind of knew, but I really hadn't pieced mm. it all together. And so, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it for sure. Yeah. And obviously we're not Chinese medicine practitioners. <laughs> no. So this is not going to be like advice giving per se, as in like telling you what to go and do, but more just mm-hmm. what we've done and what has mm-hmm. been, you know, helpful for us. Mm-hmm. And we've done a great ep with Nat Kringudos, who is a Chinese medicine practitioner, if anyone wants to listen to that ep as well, which we can link. But I think this is like going to be a really great overarching insight into our perspective on Chinese medicine. And I've used it for things outside of the PCOS realm as well. So I'm super Mm. excited to chat about that too. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to hear. (laughs) Anyway. How's your week anyway, been, Anyway, so we're tired. <laughs> we're um, really no, freaking tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had a good week, but just, yeah, the last few days, I think having having a newborn and two kids is just like, yeah, it's crept up on me and it's hitting me. But uh, this is going to sound so weird and I hope I can get this across, but I have a feeling this is a good thing. So mm-hmm. uh, for like I can honestly say up until this point, I could count on one hand, maybe two, how many times I have said to Matt or anyone like, oh, I'm just really tired today. Yeah. I just, like, as in since Elma was born, okay. I just haven't been. I've just, and it, and, and that actually doesn't make sense because I've been prior to the last sort of month or so, I have been waking, uh, going to bed super late, like midnight, one o'clock. Mm. I've been waking up one or two times a night for Alma, getting up at a like pretty early time in the morning with the kids. Like mm-hmm. I should have been tired. Mm-hmm. And I think I've been running on cortisol. Mm. And it makes and of course, <laughs> because I have been I can hear you feeling so like relating to me right now. <laughs> um I I like 
I have been so stressed. You guys know how stressed I've been. I've had so much anxiety in this time. I have been so worried and so uh, on edge managing the relationship with the two kids and everything. Of course, I've been running on cortisol. And I don't think I've mentioned this, but also my hair is falling out. And Mm. yeah, I know there's postpartum hair loss, but I don't know. I, I think also I've just, I think I've been running on cortisol. I think I'm finally addressing that because in the last month, I've been going to bed earlier. Mm. I've been having better sleep. I've been feeling happier, healthier. Every single part of me feels better, but I am feeling a bit more tired, but it feels right. Yes. It's like, I should be tired. So it makes sense that I'm tired. I don't don't know if that's weird. No. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, we did have a sneaky chat about this before we started the podcast Mm -hmm. and I had just started saying before you even brought yours up, I had started saying like, I feel exhausted. Obviously I'm pregnant, but I was just saying like, it's, it's different, obviously second time around because I've got Flynn and I've got two businesses and I'm, you know, I am just tired kind of thing. And it's Mm -hmm. really different because when I was pregnant with Flynn, I just had a lot more free time to just sort of like chill but mm-hmm. I didn't actually feel that tired with my pregnancy with Flynn. And I think it's almost like the two and a half years of being tired <laughs> catching up to me. But yes. then I started to talk about when I had Flynn, when he was a newborn, similar to age two, because how many months is Elma now? She just turned six months. She just turned six months, right? Yeah. So, and I was saying when Flynn was about five months, yeah. all of a sudden I realised how tired I was. But prior to that, which is in those first few months, which is when you really are getting minimal sleep, like a couple of hours Mm. a night, really, where you Mm -hmm. feel like you should be really exhausted. I wasn't tired at all. And Mm. I 100% was running on adrenaline those first Mm. few months. I was just running off adrenaline and to the point where I actually started to get anxiety about going to sleep, knowing that I had to wake up in an an hour. So I just Mm. didn't go to sleep. So I just didn't sleep for like three to four months. And it's so weird to think back now and I'm starting to get a bit of anxiety about it with having a newborn again not too far away. Yeah. And I'm thinking I can't do that again. Like what I yeah. did was really not okay. And I had that that five-month mark, my body just went, whoa, and I lost heaps of hair. So that's really oh interesting that you gosh. said that. Yeah, because <laughs> I was like, this has got to be postpartum hair loss. And it probably was, you know, mm. but it was almost like my body was holding on to everything yep. until then. And then my body just went, wow, I can't do this any longer. Like I, I'm exhausted, you know. So wow. I feel like you're probably at that same yeah. stage. And I think it's really common because <laughs> everyone's just trying to like survive those yeah, first few so months. So true. So, so true. You know, I'm, I'm even thinking now, like up until the last month where I've been making healthier sort of lifestyle choices mm. with my sleep, I was even starting to feel dizzy. Like every oh, day I would so have these, this dizziness. Like I think I was very strung out. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, feeling tired but kind of happy to just feel normal. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's normal. You're kind of like this is how I should be feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, my gosh. I feel a bit bad even complaining about being tired because the pregnancy tired is a whole other level. No, I I think the newborn tired is a whole other level. I mean, (laughs) look, we shouldn't even – but, you know, 
when I had PCOS, sorry, when I had it, I've still got it, obviously, but um, when I was in the real depth of it and I didn't even really know I had PCOS at the time, I just knew I was struggling with something hardcore. Mm. My fatigue was the worst it's ever been, like to the mm. point where I was, I've always been an early bird. I'd get out of bed six, no worries, no issues, like yeah. spring out of bed. I just remember laying in bed until 9, 9.30 on most days um, mm. and just being like, I can't do anything today. I'm exhausted. I'm fatigued. I, I'm just, I'm literally, I, I can't do anything. Like I couldn't function as a human, which mm. is looking back, like was one of the hardest times in my entire life because as well, I didn't have a reason for it. Like at least yes. when you're pregnant or you got a newborn, you're kind of like, okay, it makes sense. Like, you know, mm. I literally am getting no sleep or I, my body's working overtime to create a baby or whatever it is. But when I had these huge issues with not, well, I found out after that I had PCOS, but at that time I had no idea what was going on with me. Mm. I was just a big mess. I was acne everywhere, hair falling out, couldn't get Mm. out of bed, exhausted, anxious, depressed. That was a really, really hard time. Like that was, it was harder as well because you had nothing to point it to. Like you couldn't just be like, oh, um, you know, this is why I feel like this. It was just yeah. like, this is my life now. And you, it's really hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel when you're in that yes. state as well. Anyway, yes. so for anyone else out there who's having, feeling exhausted, mm-hmm. we feel you. Yes, so true. <laughs> and you know what? So many women with PCOS do have that, mm. do say how tired they are. Mm. And for me, like when I get contacted by someone who's saying that, I always sort of think, like it would be also interesting for you to maybe look at your thyroid and yeah, look at your for sure. like iodine, estrogen, those sorts of things come to mind as well. But yeah, um definitely. Also, yeah. mm-hmm. I know like thankfully I'm not, but a lot of Australia has just gone back into lockdown. And mm. I think a lot of people experience like a type of fatigue during lockdown as well. It's like this, mm. um, I remember reading about somewhere, like it's an actual thing that's happening to people when they go into lockdown, they become more and more exhausted. And it's like, they're doing less, but becoming more and more exhausted. So wow, I wonder what that is. That could be happening to you right now too if you're feeling really tired and can't work out why if you're in lockdown definitely you know know that that might be why and it's definitely worth like looking into and I was listening to a podcast the other day I would love to be able to give you more specifics but I just don't remember but it was sort of like you know, you have to treat it, but you really have to get outside. You know, you really have to mm. sort of reset your circadian rhythms and sort of have some sort of routine because that's why you're feeling mm. so tired because your body's out of whack and it doesn't know what you're doing each day and blah, blah, blah. So it's definitely something to take note of as well if you're in lockdown, which <laughs> my heart goes out to everyone who is because <laughs> I know how annoying it is. <laughs> yeah. And, but fully, like I can imagine there's a, there's less sort of motivation when you're in lockdown Absolutely. and, or even purpose. Like I don't have to get up and go into the office today. So I don't get need dressed, to get out know? of bed and get dressed. Yeah. So, oh, or wash you know? my hair. Or yeah. actually on the washing your hair, I was also <laughs> same podcast. I would love to remember what this podcast was. <laughs> they were also saying, now mm-hmm. this is completely off topic. I'm really sorry, okay. guys. However, I get questions all the time around how I only can wash my hair like once a week because I really wash my hair every seven to eight days. Like that's the max I wash my hair. Mm -hmm. This is a really great time if you're in lockdown to retrain your hair to only get washed Ah. once a week because you can deal with the oiliness and the grossness, you know, because you're not going anywhere. So if this is you and you're like, I really want to stop having to wash my hair every second day or whatever, it Mm -hmm. is a retraining process. You do have to 
your hair has to basically rebalance all its natural oils. So you will have to have a few days of really oily hair. And if you can do that for a couple of weeks, I almost can guarantee you that you won't have to wash your hair as often as you're washing it now. Oh my God. I love that. That's a great tip. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you though. I only wash my hair once a week and I always have. Yeah. So I'm, I'm there, but yeah, that's a really good uh, idea really for if you're in lockdown. As a big thank you for listening to our little podcast and for being a part of our very special PCOS Girls community, we've created a discount code that you guys can use for any of our products. Head to PCOSToWellness.com for Bridget's products or PCOSPathways.com for my products and enter in the code PCOSGIRLS15 for 15% off. That's PCOSGIRLS15. Love you guys. All right. Let's do this. (laughs) Let's dive in. I'm excited. All right. So Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, also known as TCM, it's been around for so long, Mm. right? It's uh, been practiced for over 2,500 years, which is crazy how long that is. It's got to be the oldest form of medicine, surely. It's not. It's not. Ayurveda is. Yeah, okay, I was going to say, it's either Ayurveda or Chinese medicine. (laughs) Yeah, Ayurveda's been practiced for 5,000 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's the oldest continuing form of like a full medical system. Although I would have to say there'd have to be some Indigenous communities around the world who would dispute that. 100%. Yeah, like I'm even thinking about Aboriginal Australians. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) I guess it's just Um, not practiced in mainstream as much as like... Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic medicine is. Yeah, totally. Okay, so with Chinese medicine, it's just such a different approach to medicine. Just I guess the lens through which they see the body and everything is just Mm. so different to Ayurveda, to Western medicine. So it really focuses on this idea of these two opposing forces of yin and yang and allowing like an easy movement of energy through your body. And it's believed that if there's an imbalance of yin or yang in any part of your body, that's where symptoms can arise or disease can arise. So just very briefly, because we're not, we're not practitioners and we can't speak to this thoroughly at all. Yang is more like warming and yin is cold or cooling. So it's about balancing those two forces in your body. Like you might've heard of having like a yin deficiency So if you had a yin deficiency in your kidney or something, that means that you're too hot in your kidney, which is like inflammation. Mm. Or if you've got a yang deficiency, it means that you're too cold. So it's like sluggish and stagnant. So like really old school practitioners, they don't really recognize PCOS as a condition, but not in like a gaslighting way. (laughs) (laughs) They're not like, no, you don't have PCOS. It doesn't exist. (laughs) No, it's not like that. It's more just that, you know, PCOS is a collection of symptoms and just in traditionally in Chinese medicine, they haven't collected those symptoms together to name a disease or name a condition called PCOS. They just, they just look at it in a different way and they still treat all those symptoms and all the things that drive it. They just, they just don't really refer to it as PCOS. But in saying that, there are lots more of more modern mm. Chinese medicine practitioners who absolutely talk about PCOS. So, And I think, as we were saying, it's sort of probably more so because they realise that that's what people are now searching for. Like, you know, yes. people are looking for a practitioner who specialises in PCOS, even though they probably specialise in hormone imbalances or whatever. They've identified that that's what people are actually looking for when they're going yeah. and Googling or, you know, searching for a practitioner. Absolutely. And I would say here, like, if you 
I know we'll talk about this a bit mm-hmm. later, but if you did go to a practitioner and they were someone who, you know, didn't really, you know, adhere to the idea of PCOS, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be put off by that. I honestly yeah. think that they will treat you in the exact same way as a practitioner who does yeah, recognize PCOS. Um, personally, that's me. Okay. So they, they recognize all of these symptoms in you, but they, the like things that they see as driving those symptoms is so different to any other practice. Like, you know, we talk about insulin resistance, driving things or whatever they might like, okay. So when I first went to a Chinese medicine practitioner and she looked at me and, you know, heard about all my symptoms and everything, she declared that I had a kidney, uh, a kidney yang deficiency. Mm -hmm. And it was like, what, what do you, what, (laughs) what do my kidneys have to do with it? Like what? (laughs) But that's it. It's just a completely different system. And mm. she treated me and it worked. Like I, I think for me personally with Chinese medicine, I really just put myself in their hands mm. because it is just such a foreign concept for me to understand. It's a whole that, new world. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. And I accept that. Yes. Kind of thing. Yes. Are you the same? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, um, started using Chinese medicine well before I was diagnosed with PCOS, but for different things. Um, and at that point had really no idea how it worked or what happened or, you know, it was all a bit magical to me and it, almost <laughs> I was a bit skeptical of it um, mm-hmm. until I saw the results from it. But yeah. uh, it wasn't until this is so random, but when I, if, if I don't know if anyone knows this, but I'm actually a qualified equine and canine sports therapist. And I did um, <laughs> a component in, acupuncture for horses and dogs so we did do like the basis um, of the yin and yang and just understanding all the meridians in the body and all that kind of thing so that's when I started to actually understand a bit more of it in depth like actually Mm. I guess be more educated on like oh okay that does make sense why that works but you don't have to know how in depth it works for it to actually work, if that makes sense. (laughs) Absolutely. And also let's just all appreciate how like diverse of a person Bridget is. (laughs) So random. (laughs) You have such a rich history. (laughs) I really don't. I've just always been one of those people that like, I'll be interested in something. And so I go study it. Like, I'm just like, I love it. I love um, that. (laughs) But yeah, I totally agree. I think that you, you, if you're, intrigued by Chinese medicine and you're looking for complementary, I should say, complementary ways of, you know, just health in general, it's worth just looking into and, you know, doing your own research, but you don't have to know in depth how it works. Like you'll get a basic Mm. understanding of it when you speak to a practitioner. They will guide you through, a good practitioner Mm. will guide you through what's going on and why they believe things are happening to you. And like you said, Mel, like, when she pulled out kidney yang deficiency, you were like, mm. hang on, it's my hormone. Yeah. It's not my kidney that has an issue. But when you <laughs> understand it, it does all make sense. You know, it really does yes. make sense. Absolutely. So with Chinese medicine, they can approach healing in a bunch of different ways, which I think is true of any any medicinal approach. But they've got herbal medicine. And I don't know about you, but so they've got They've got herbs that are like in their whole form, mm-hmm. um, but then they've also got granules, which is like the ground up powders. It's just the ground up powders, but they're they're sort of they're called granules because they're not like a fine powder. Yeah, well, I've never had a fine powder from them anyway, and it's more like little bits, and you mix it in with water and you drink it or whatever. I've had powders. Um, I've had. Definitely had powders from them as well. Oh, have you? Yeah. There you go. Oh, and actually, yeah, I've had like different 
tablets as well Same. now that I think about it. Yeah, so there's there's both those ways. It's funny, I, I and, and this isn't me recommending anything, this is my own experience. I've just always found that the herbs, the whole herbs work better for me. Interesting. And I don't, I'm not saying the granules don't work as well, but just for me, when there's been twice where I've used granules, Actually, one time they did work all right. The first time, though, they really didn't. And whereas the herbs every single time have had very powerful effects on Mm. me. So I kind of personally steer towards whole herbs. But that's just me. I know a lot of people only ever use granules. It'll also just be the preference of the practitioner and what what they like using. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's lots of practitioners who just don't stock the whole herbs Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And I kind of get it because they're bizarre and they're they're big. Like whenever I've gotten them, like there's these big strips of bark and like... And they usually These taste disgusting, pods. to yeah, be really honest with you. Oh, yeah, they really do. It's hard. It is it's hard, hard to yeah. stomach, yeah. And they they can be, like you said, Mel, really powerful. And so mm. they are definitely not the kind of herbs you want to be buying just, like, on a whim online. Like, oh, you no. need they no need to be correctly prescribed to you by your practitioner. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, another thing that everyone probably has heard of is acupuncture mm-hmm. and they also have diet and lifestyle recommendations that they give and it's very tailored to the individual and very different often the recommendations to what you'd get from someone else. Like I remember the first time I went in, um, she told me that I shouldn't eat chili and no cold things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like when every other sort of practitioner I've seen has probably been like, have a smoothie. and Yes. Yeah, and then the other thing that they've got, which I have done a bit of, is called qigong. Um, it's their, it's it's essentially their equivalent of a, a yoga practice, really. Mm. Um, but it's not exactly like yoga. It's more, it's a bit more movement than that, I think. But yeah, it's body postures and movement and breathing exercises and meditation. It's kind of like a bit of a combo of yoga, like in, in terms of if you saw it, it's a bit like yoga and Tai Chi kind of mixed together. Um, Yeah. And the goal is to guide Chi, which is like life force energy, guide it through your body so that it's working optimally in your body. And I, I've only ever had one period in my life where I've done this, but I loved it so much that I was fantasizing about like getting qualified in teaching it. The only reason I don't do it still is just life. Like just got away from me and I just, I just don't do it. But I would go back to it for sure, and I know I will because it feels amazing. And I kind of like anything that's a bit like energy work. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like that feeling. I, I I personally feel like I can feel it, and mm-hmm. so it's really nice for me. Um, yeah, so as far as I know and I like everything I've read, like they're the sort of main ways that you can approach health through Chinese yeah. medicine. There is also cupping. I don't know if you've experienced cupping. Yeah, which... I haven't, but I know it, but... Yeah, it's a great, another great one. And again, it's so at the preference of the practitioner. So don't Mm -hmm. worry if none of, like, you know, this isn't offered to you because Mm -hmm. the practitioner either might not do that or might just go, no, this isn't what you need. Do you know what I mean? Um, But cupping, I guess the general basis around cupping is it essentially helps to rid toxins for the body and improve blood circulation. So, again, it's just about helping to transport like a healthy flow of blood, particularly if we're dealing with PCOS, to our reproductive organs. And I I guess the basis of it is to help it – provide more nutrients and oxygen and vitamins and 
minerals and just blood flow to that mm-hmm. area, which is obviously going to help with. So good. So yeah. you've had it. I have. have yeah, it? I've had cupping multiple times. Yeah, and you like it? Yeah, I mean, you do get those big marks all over your back, mm-hmm. which I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about, those yes. big circle marks on your back. But I found find it incredibly relaxing whilst I'm having it. It's not painful mm-hmm. at all. It just feels like suction cups on your back. And I don't know, it's just a cool thing. And I've, I've honestly, I've only had, I've seen quite a few practitioners in my time and that's not based on, I liked one more than the other. It was based on either at the time of where I was living. So location to mm-hmm. me, but yeah. also what I was treating at the time. So I've seen different practitioners for different things. And I'll go into that a bit later on, but I've mm-hmm. only had two practitioners that have ever offered, offered me cupping. So it's definitely mm-hmm. not something that's commonly thrown at me but um every time I've had it I've really enjoyed it and I do think it works I mean it's hard to say but you when you understand the basis of it and even like that principle of releasing toxins through the body Mm -hmm. and then you do see the different color blood that comes to the surface and the different types of color of blood mean different things and your practitioner can talk you through that so it's really interesting Mm, that is interesting (laughs) so when you first went to see a Chinese medicine practitioner did you do that or what like what was your first experience okay so my first experience with acupuncture and I guess Chinese medicine in general but I was going there purely for acupuncture because I didn't really understand everything I was just told go see an acupuncturist because I was dealing with really really bad back pain I've I've slipped multiple Mm. discs in my back you know I just Mm. I've always had a really sway back I've always had issues with my lower back I think it's from you know years of horse riding and also this is going to sound weird but modeling because you put your body in really weird positions actually since Mm. I've stopped modeling really I haven't my back has been a lot better oh my god so anyway so I started I I tried everything at this point and my back pain was chronic to the point where I couldn't sit in the car without crying. I couldn't do, I couldn't do anything unless it was standing upright. And I was just yeah. like, I, I tried my therapy, physio, I tried dry needling, I tried Cairo, like literally you name it, I tried it. So my last mm-hmm. resort was acupuncture mm-hmm. and it was so weird because I will never forget it. I went in and I kind of was like, oh, it'll be the same as dry needling because I'd had that before. And I actually mm-hmm. said to the, it was actually my dad who suggested it because he suffers from a really similar back issues to me. And he said, go and try acupuncture. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, no, I get dry needling. And he's like, no, no, it's different. Trust me. Like, cause he got dry needling as well. And so I found mm-hmm. an acupuncture person. <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. they, I, they, I didn't even know at the time that they were Chinese medicine doctors. I just was like, I'll look for an acupuncture person. And I walked in and I explained to them what my issue was. And he said, no worries, lie down and we'll pop some needles in. So I laid Mm -hmm. down and he put them in my arm. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) oh no, he hasn't understood. Like, cause he actually was Chinese. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I thought, no, I obviously haven't explained, explained this properly. Mm -hmm. And he said, stand back up. So I stood back up and he said, try and bend over and touch your toes. And this is at the point where I could not bend over and I, I just couldn't move. Like I like I said, I had to be upright. I couldn't sit, yeah. I couldn't bend, I couldn't do anything. He said, just bend forward and see if you can touch your toes. I could touch them. It was the most bizarre oh experience of my entire <laughs> life. I still, to this day, I'm like, I don't understand this. Like, how does this work? And so there was a specific point in my arm that obviously was blocked or there was something going on there which was a meridian to somewhere the energy flow was blocking Mm. something and it worked and it didn't work 
forever it was fixed, but it worked mm. for, you know, that short period of time. And then mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do this weekly and just mm-hmm. see what happens. And so I started doing that weekly and I kind of never looked back after that. Yeah. Wow. That must've just felt amazing. It was just the most crazy thing. Cause it was really yeah. for me, this like last resort. And it was sort of mm-hmm. like, oh God, like, you know, realistically, is this going to work? Mm-hmm. But I was just at my wits end and it really worked. So look, that's just my experience. I know other people have tried acupuncture and haven't had instant relief like that, mm-hmm. but I did. I really did. And it's quite incredible, I think. I think that's amazing. Um, the only time I've really used acupuncture was, it wasn't really for my PCOS. I was 13 months postpartum mm-hmm. with Koji mm-hmm. and I still hadn't gotten my period and I was still breastfeeding a lot. But I had started, the thoughts had started to come in of like, okay, is this because I'm still breastfeeding or is it my PCOS? Like, Mm. would my body be ovulating if I didn't have PCOS? So I went in just asking that question and she was like, let's just do some acupuncture and if you're ready to get your period, then you'll get it. Mm. But in, uh, I only remembered this this morning when I was thinking about it, that she actually did also give me some granules. Okay. And yeah, like three days later, I got my period. So <laughs> wild. Yeah. <laughs> so, so whenever I get contacted by people saying, I just haven't had a period in years, what can I do? I always sort of say, oh, well, maybe, like maybe check out acupuncture. Yeah. I mean, it was a very different situation for me. I was postpartum, but yeah, yeah within a few days, I had my period back. There you go. Um, That's and so then I actually, I actually felt a little bit guilty because not guilty, but I was like, did I just force this? Like, have I forced this period? To come or was on. It? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll never know. I'll never but know. I but also, it continued. Yeah. But I think it's like, maybe that it's like, you know, the whole philosophy around Chinese medicine, like maybe there was a blockage there or stagnation yeah. or whatever. And whatever exactly. they did, that was just all it needed to then be able to flow. And then that's yes. what your body needed to have the period. So, I mean, yeah, we will never know. But, like, Mm. if you go by their theory of how it all works, like, it makes complete sense, you know. That's right. And generally with Chinese, um, in Chinese medicine terms, like PCOS, if they call it PCOS, but they might not, it's generally attributed to, like, as you said, Mel, a kidney yang deficiency, which Mm. is also linked to poor metabolism, dampness, and just, like, Mm -hmm. slugginess throughout your whole system. Mm-hmm. So it makes exactly. sense. That if they it does can make sense. And she said that. Moving. She was like, you will get your period if that's what your body is ready to do. Crazy. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. So crazy. <laughs> I mean, I've used it as well for definitely for PCOS stuff. But, I, again, I didn't go in as PCOS. It was more hormonal imbalances and just dealing with things like, you know, they would ask me what my symptoms are. So I'd say acne or um, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But, you know, at the time it could be different things. So it could be just that I'm feeling really stressed and like I can just feel my cortisol is through the roof or my hair loss or whatever it is. And they will change what they do dependent on what I'm telling them. And I think that this is another key point is like, it's not necessarily like a one fix wonder. I know I said with the pain stuff with my back, mm. it kind of was, but it wasn't like that was long lasting, you know, it was mm-hmm. short term relief, but it worked, you know, but, and I think mm-hmm. when they're dealing with hormonal imbalances or fertility, you know, or if you're trying to conceive, like it's, you kind of got to commit to it, you know, yes. at least I think for three to four months consistently, mm. and then mm. you can sort of start to make up your own mind, whether you think that 
you know, you, it's working if you're getting results, but that gives your body enough time to actually, I guess, receive and work on the benefits. Like obviously, mm-hmm. Mel, you had a really quick response and that can yeah. happen as well, but sometimes it takes longer than that. And we have to be mindful mm-hmm. of that as well, I think, rather than rushing into things and going, okay, I'll book a Chinese medicine appointment and then everything will be solved. That's overnight. so true. And, and it's true for, I think, most medicine to yeah. have that mentality. But I do have to say that in terms of, Fertility for me, mm. Chinese medicine has worked yeah, really fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can see my first two pregnancies were off the back of Chinese medicine. And the first one was crazy how quickly it worked mm. for me. Yeah, I was actually I, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, so I won't I won't go on about it, but I was in China. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm here. I might as well give it a go. And, yeah, she like, by the way, they do some really different things to assess you. Like they look at your tongue thoroughly. Yes, (laughs) so thoroughly, very thoroughly, like judgmentally thoroughly. You're like, oh, God, (laughs) what is on my tongue? (laughs) Um, And they listen to your pulse. Like Mm -hmm. they'll listen through your, like they'll put their fingers on your wrist and feel your pulse, I should say. And, yeah, so I did all of that and then she announced my kidney yang deficiency. <laughs> and um, she gave me this really strong, she was actually like, come back tomorrow. I'm going to brew up a thing for you. So I went back to her the next day and she had brewed up this really, really strong tea. And I was leaving China in like a week's time. And so mm. she also had like bagged up like two months worth of tea for me. And these were like, they were like big bags. <laughs> It would, I, I was nervous because we ended up flying into Nepal from there and I was like, oh, God, please, please, please let this not look like drugs or something. <laughs> um, but it really didn't. It looked like a bag of flowers and bark. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, uh, yeah. And, um, but I drank this really strong tea and then I got my period. Like I must have ovulated right away and I got my period and it was a 28-day cycle, which I just was unheard of for me. And then the next cycle I was we'd left the country and we were in Nepal and I was drinking the the tea that she'd made the tea bags up for me. Mm. And again, it was a 28 day cycle and we made a baby. Crazy. <laughs> like it was crazy. It was like just bam, just instant for me. And then obviously we went on to miscarry that baby. But then after that, I, again, I've talked about this, so I'm just trying to be really brief about it, but I had retained tissue from the miscarriage, um, Mm. like some of it was still inside and it wouldn't come out. And I actually went to a Chinese medicine practitioner in London because at this point we'd gone to Europe and he had the granules and he gave me acupuncture. Mm -hmm. And this was to try and get the this retained tissue out and granules and like it didn't work. And I was also emailing with the practitioner in China that I'd met. Like she was so lovely. She was really supportive and and she had sort of recommended Dong Gui to try that. And so, yeah, eventually I ended up finding it and, yeah, within three days, oh, no, the very next day I got my period and within three days the tissue came out it was very strong don't do that at home yeah oh my gosh <laughs> I know this is like <laughs> we really need to caution that everything I, I mean Chinese medicine is just it is real I think it's really strong so I think so too um I actually like for me I haven't found much success with Chinese medicine herbs um one because mm. I find them really hard to palette like I just yep. cannot get them down and I think that yep. that's probably my biggest issue is that I just I stop taking them because I can't stomach them I find them mm-hmm. 
most of them really disgusting. But to, yeah, I think that they can be really strong and for some people like almost too, like I think it gives me a bit of an upset tummy. Like even recently because mm-hmm. I um, I see trans medicine for like everything. Like that's like my go-to kind of thing is. Yeah. Um, so uh, postnatally um, with Flynn I saw a Chinese medicine practitioner but I also saw it during my pregnancy and then also leading up into labor I actually had I had a Chinese medicine appointment I had an acupuncturist come to my home she was a midwife and also did um, induction acupuncture and she came to my home before I had Flynn and Mm -hmm. she did a session with me and then she put in some of those ones that like they sort of leave in so they're like little darts and they leave them in on some pressure points Mm -hmm. and I she said okay I'll book you in for like three or four days time or something um, for another one. And then realistically, mm-hmm. like you should be on your way to labor. Mm-hmm. About five hours after having that appointment, I was having a baby. Like it was <laughs> like I was in labor and I actually forgot to cancel the appointment and she rocked up at my door and I was like three days postpartum. And she's like, oh, obviously worked. <laughs> so that was crazy. That wow, that, that yeah. is amazing. Oh, just such a, yeah, such a good point about how how strong it is. Yeah, like, totally. Wow. <laughs> but that wasn't herbs. That was obviously acupuncture. But, yeah, I just yeah. think, yeah, with the herbs you can't mess around. Like you have right. to be getting the right dosages and all that kind yes. of stuff. So obviously when I had um, the miscarriage, I was like, okay, what do I, I kind of want to like get my body back, you know, kind of not my body back, but like feel good sort of thing. I didn't know I was pregnant, but I did go and see my Chinese medicine practitioner and she started to do some just really gentle acupuncture um, and pressure points with me again. But then when I realized I was pregnant and I, my nausea was really bad. I went back and we worked on morning sickness and nausea points, which was really, really cool. And I had almost instant relief for a few hours after each session that I went and had that too, which is wow. crazy. She did give me some Chinese medicine, which was wild. So I don't know if you've come across this. It was tiny tiny little balls like yes have you had this <laughs> yes i have and she was and like you've got to have like 12 of them yeah or... 12 of them like th- twice a day or three times a day or something so it was like yeah. 24 of these little pills and i was like yeah. oh my god this is wild and just like when you're already nauseous and sick Ugh. and trying to like get those down like it was just not happening so i just yeah. sort of I had a few goes of that and then I sort of like gave up on that. But yeah, just like (laughs) crazy the different things you can do. I've also had it, I've had specialized like facial acupuncture for Mm. my skin and like not just necessarily for acne, but also for like fine lines, collagen, like induction. Like it's pretty Mm. crazy what you can do with acupuncture. (laughs) Yeah, it's really cool, isn't it? Mm. It can really help so many parts of your life. Yeah, I had those little balls So once I came back to Australia and we were ready to start trying to conceive again, I went to Chinese medicine again. Yeah. And, yeah, this practitioner, he – well, he also gave me all the same herbs as my practitioner in China. That's interesting. Um, Well, actually, I asked her to send me the names of all of them. And then when I went and saw him and he assessed me, after he assessed me and he was writing down what he wanted to do, I showed him the list and he was like, yeah, that's – basically exactly what I would do. So that was interesting, Mm. I thought. And 
Yeah, he gave me, so he gave me these whole herbs to brew up into this tea every day. It was so strong. But he also gave me the little balls and he gave me, it was almost the opposite. So he gave me these tiny little balls to take, like, yeah, 20 of them a day. (laughs) And then also this big ball that you had to chew on. (laughs) Oh my gosh, no, I would have been Yeah, horrendous. It was horrendous. But then he wanted me to keep taking them into pregnancy and I just, yeah, I'm with you. I couldn't do it. Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. And like, I think as well, uh, yeah, it's just, you got to go with your intuition a bit as well, I think. Cause if Mm -hmm. you're really having like strong aversions to something, Mm -hmm. I take that as like, okay, obviously, uh, you know, this is too much for me kind of thing. So like, I'm going to back off on this. (laughs) I definitely agree with that. Today's episode is brought to you by my guide to getting pregnant naturally with PCOS. Hey guys, it's Mel here. This e-guide covers honestly everything I've done on my journey to becoming a mum. It all began because I looked back at my journey and the fact that I've not only conceived three times naturally with PCOS, but that I've conceived really quickly each time. And I realized that out of all the things I had learned and all the things I had done, only one of those things had been taught to me inside a doctor's office. The truth is that everything I did to conceive, I had learnt from a natural health practitioner or from reading books about PCOS or books about fertility or from the hundreds of studies that I've read over the years. And it just really hit me how unfair it was that so many of the women in our community would be going to their doctor for help to conceive and wouldn't be hearing about any of it. So I decided to write it all down because we all deserve to know how to get our body into a state where it can get pregnant. My guide really breaks it down. It focuses in on 10 massively important things that every woman trying to conceive with PCOS should know. And it details every practical thing I have done to address those things. And woven throughout it all is my own personal journey from being diagnosed with PCOS to having a miscarriage to becoming a mum to my two beautiful children, Koji and Elma. By the time you finish reading this guide, you will know how to find out what hormonal imbalance is affecting your ovulation and how to treat it so your cycle can become regular again. You will know about the three pillars of fertility and how you can address each one of them. You will know tons of self-care practices that can actually improve your fertility and you will know about what tests to request, key supplements, fertility boosting foods and so much more. You can find the guide on my website at PCOSPathways.com and don't forget to use our discount code PCOSGIRLS15 for 15% off. I want to talk about like what to look for when you're choosing a practitioner because I feel like that is, it's like, it's sort of like obvious, but kind of not as well. So first of all, I want to say here in Australia, Mm -hmm. To qualify, a practitioner must have completed four to five year years of a bachelor degree course, like specifically in Chinese medicine. So it's mm-hmm. a lot of education, um, mm-hmm. which I think is really, really important to know. And if yes. a practitioner in Australia hasn't done his or her degree here, they then must have to basically um, satisfy a professional body's requirements to make sure okay. that whatever they did, whatever course they did is comparable to, to what the students are doing here. 
And Mm -hmm. if it's not, they might have to sit further exams or undergo clinical assessment. And quite often we're finding now they're not actually passing. They're not, they're not Mm. able to continue practicing, which I think is really interesting because up until quite recently, Chinese medicine was relatively unregulated in Australia. So we are seeing now over the last couple of years, and this is the same Mm. with naturopathy as well. Um, Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just been one of a lot of natural health, what's the word, um, practices are being Mm. a lot more scrutinized now because previously it was kind of like you could do an online course or you could do, you know, spend a few months with someone under someone's guidance and all of a sudden you're a Chinese Mm. medicine practitioner. So that's scary. It actually, is a bit scary, it? and that's why mm. it is really important to do your research on the pr- practice itself, but also the practitioner mm. that you're going to be seeing. Now, yeah. that's not to say that if someone hasn't done a degree here in Australia, that they're not amazing. Like you might actually mm. come across a guru that's been practicing in China for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what you hope is that they have been sort of ticked off by the regulators body regulating mm-hmm. body and their professional and obviously what they've done is comparable enough to be practicing under the Australian regulations so just keep that in mind I think it's really really important I think that's a good point mm. um anyway so other than qualifications I think that I mean much like western medicine or any other sort of type of medicine Mm. different practitioners often have different specialty areas Mm. so we sort of talked about that before so that could be based on like what they actually do so whether they focus on acupuncture or herbs or even massage or cupping you know they're going to have Mm. their preferred methods and that's totally normal and okay so don't freak Mm. out if they don't offer you something because you've heard it before. That's just maybe mm. not what they are really strongly passionate about or it mm. might just be not what you need at that time as well. Mm. The other thing that they might specialise in is different areas. So that might be fertility. It could be mm. pain management. It could be health, uh, sorry, women's health or like stress or pre and postnatal it could be skin Mm. like there are so many different things that they might specialize in and I think that if you can find someone who is specializing in what you want to do that's you're kind of already ahead of the game so if you find someone who one maybe they said maybe they publicly are saying like you know that their passion or their niche or this what they specialize in is women's health and fertility you can be pretty sure that they're going to be great with something like pcos because Mm. that's what they're working with even if they don't as you said mel outwardly say it's pcos Mm. that they're doing because they might not often you know, categorize PCOS. It's it's sort of just inbuilt in all of the hormonal issues that they might be looking at. So I think yeah. that's a really big one. And that, like even myself personally, mm. I go to a practice here and I've seen three different practitioners within that practice because they all do different things. So one practitioner I see when it's like skin stuff, one practitioner I see uh, when I was just working with general hormone balance. And then currently I'm seeing a different practitioner who specializes in fertility and prenatal stuff. So Mm. it's really dependent. That doesn't mean that I don't think they're all amazing. It's just that they all specialize Mm. in different things and I want the best you know, for whatever it is I'm looking at at that time. So just something to look at, something to consider and don't be afraid to, even if you're in, if you start going to a practice and there's different practitioners there, find out 
who does what, who's, who specializes in what, because often mm. a great practice will actually bring on different practitioners based on what they specialize mm. in because they want to sort of have a gamut of different things that they can be helping you with. That's such a good point. And, man, it would be so nice to have a practice like that where they do have that big range. Like if you've got that in your area, that would be so appealing to me. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's not always the case. You might just find one person who's your go-to and they still might be fantastic at a really wide range of different things. So yeah, absolutely. Don't freak out if you, you, like, you don't necessarily have to have 20 different people (laughs) to work with. Like you might (laughs) find someone really great. And that sort of brings me to my next point as well is Mm. like personality and your relationship with that practitioner, Mm. because at the end of the day, you want to feel comfortable with them. Um, It's also great when you don't have to repeat your history every time Mm. you go to a different practitioner, like they know your past, they know what you've gone through, they know Mm. where you're at with your journey and they can kind of just continue that journey with you as opposed to like having to to rehash it every time you go somewhere. So I think that's a really good one. And when you go and have a treatment, it is always, it's about relaxing and calming, you know, your, your nervous system down. And so finding someone that's not going to stress you out when you go or make you feel embarrassed or whatever, like that's really crucial. So absolutely. I think, yeah, personality can be a really big one too. So true. I think it's like any practitioner, you just, go see them and you hope that they that you sort of vibe well mm. with them and that they seem really knowledgeable but if they're not or if it doesn't seem right like that's that's a good thing to listen to like yeah go with your move gut. on yeah, yeah definitely yeah I've had quite a few different practitioners over the years and I would definitely say there's some that I have never seen again yes 100 <laughs> um, I'm exactly the same yeah like some just don't seem to know I I, I don't want to put this out here totally. Um, but like, I know that there's two practitioners that I've seen where they're just quite new in it. Yeah. And they're just, if someone doesn't know something, I love, I love meeting anybody in any situation who, when they don't know something, they're really honest about that. Yes. If someone says to me, Oh, I actually don't know that. Like I might write that down and look into it. i see that as such a good sign of integrity mm, and so true. especially in like a health situation. Mm. And it makes me like them more and yeah. trust them more. When I can tell someone's just kind of like, BSing me, I don't like that at all. And it makes me not want to go back. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've had that a little bit and it's been with people who are a bit fresher. Yeah. Um, but I, there would be so many people who are fresh into it who are not like that. So I'm not saying you should be with a veteran or anything. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, I've been to, yeah, some real sort of veteran practitioners, like the guy that I saw when I was trying to conceive Koji, he had been um, practicing for like 45 years. He was an older guy. He was from China. Um, this was here in Australia though. And then the the woman I met in China, she'd been practicing for 20 or 30 years as well. Mm. Um, so I've definitely experienced that. And like with that man in Australia who I saw, um, he just, he was so knowledgeable and he was exactly what I needed and he made me feel really comfortable. But I remember I went and saw him again when I was postpartum, like like I shouldn't even say postpartum. I think Koji was like two. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when postpartum I don't ends. Know. Like, <laughs> menopause. <laughs> um, and I was still breastfeeding and he 
was like, you need to stop breastfeeding. And I was like, what? And he's like, your PCOS and your kidney deficiency. He was very, very hard line, like you aren't healthy and so you shouldn't be giving your milk to your son because it's making him unhealthy. And I... I don't I actually asked on. another I is full on and I've asked another practitioner about that out of interest of just like is that a Chinese medicine like belief that mm. you know like that isn't good for the baby and she like wildly disagreed with it and I yeah. so I think I think yeah but it really turned me off him because it wasn't what I needed at that time like totally. I was very pro breastfeeding I could see I knew all the health benefits mm. of it and I, I didn't want to hear that and yeah. I I don't think I needed to hear that. So you just kind of go with it, yeah. I think, and you can change your mind and find someone new and that's fine too. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many. Um, it's so much more accessible than it used to be as well. Like it's, I know. It yes. really is so much more accessible. But mm. look at reviews, like, you know, chat to them on the phone because often as well they will have someone at reception who will be able to be like, like I know at the place I go to there's an awesome girl who works, like she's the manager of the office. She doesn't actually do any of the, um, she's not a practitioner herself, but she'll be able to, you call her and you say, hey, I'm struggling with this, this and this, and she'll go, oh, you know, this is the person I want you to see. She'd be amazing for this. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And so they'll be Mm -hmm. able to point you in the right direction and hopefully match you up a little bit. But I guess that's in those more bigger clinics. Yeah. The smaller true. ones, it's sort of probably going to be one or two options of who's there. But, yeah, try it. I mean, I also think it's – I mean, I say this with caution, but what's the harm in trying, you know? Like it's mm-hmm. it's sort of one of those things where you're probably not going to cause harm by going and ha- trying someone and trying this, especially mm-hmm. if you're new to this. I, I'm saying it with caution because obviously any modality – can have <laughs> contradictions, obviously, but mm-hmm. it's it's like, okay, if you're happy to go and take a medication, then, you know, what's stopping you from going and trying something like this? So, I mean, that's, that's just it. my perspective on it anyway. I agree with that. And if you are feeling like you have tried so many different things, but you haven't tried Chinese medicine, then you mm. are so far from the end of your road. Like Chinese medicine, it's it's a complex medical system. There's so many different facets of it, so many options, so many herbs, so many medicines. Like um, if you haven't tried it and you feel like you're running out of options, like you're not. Yeah, absolutely. It's an option for you. Absolutely. And you don't like, we both don't only do Chinese medicine as well. Like I'm a huge fan of naturopathy and like, Mm -hmm. for example, my like teas, they're naturopathy herbs. They're not Chinese medicine herbs, you know. Mm -hmm. We also both love Ayurveda. Like there's just so much (laughs) out there that you could be doing. This is just one of those. And we wanted to touch on it because it's one that I guess we haven't spoken about in depth, particularly our own experiences, Um, but we get asked about it quite a lot. And I think when people see when I you know put on Instagram that I've gone for a session they're like but what are you actually doing like what actually goes on in those sessions (laughs) (laughs) and it's different every time (laughs) yeah and you know what like I think Chinese medicine it's so gaining popularity like we said but also you can find like the things that other practitioners do in other modalities you can actually find that they are mirrored in Chinese medicine, but just sort of talked about in a different way. Like I know I was trying to heal my gut a couple of years ago and a really big recommendation from like most practitioners who are healing guts, like in terms of you know, complementary medicine, they their approach is to have, you know, lots of 
broths and mm. really easy to digest food, really soft vegetables, soft meats if you're having meat, really anti-inflammatory foods. When you look at Chinese medicine and when they're healing so many different diseases even, like um, not just chronic illness, mm. a lot of the recommendations really reflect that. Like, Oh, yeah. And forever, you know, if someone was sick back in the day, it was like, right, you're on broth and you're yes. on soft veggies and like really slow cooked meat and, and that's what you even, should um, eat until even you're water. healed. Like my, my, pretty much all my practitioners are like, you could only drink warm water because mm, I'm yeah. cold. You know, I'm, I am, mm-hmm. I have that yang deficiency where I'm cold and mm-hmm. my body needs warming things. And that's another reason, like you said before, like smoothies and stuff like that. Like I rarely have raw veggies anymore. Like I do mm-hmm. still occasionally, but I certainly, I used to eat so many salads. Like I mm-hmm. try to like lightly cook all my veggies now. Mm-hmm. Um, I rarely have smoothies unless it's summer and I'm warm and I feel warm. I try mm-hmm. to have warm drinks all the time, like teas and warm waters and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing and broths and soups and even curries and stuff like that, which, you know, they're yeah. not Chinese foods, but they are, they're warming foods and that's the yes. whole thing. And you will learn all about this once you go and try it yourself. But I think mm. I think most women with PCOS will come out being told that they have a young deficiency. Yeah, I reckon <laughs> that would degree. be so common, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, yeah, even when I look at like my self-care practices that I love, it's so been um, influenced by my experience, um, seeing Chinese medicine practitioners, like it is that stagnation part of me. And I, and that part of me, like healing that part of me is so forefront for me, especially when trying to conceive, it's such Mm. a consideration, like, yeah, drinking warm water all day instead of cold water is a really big thing for me. I don't always do it, but if I'm really focused on my health, I do it because I know how, how good it can be for you. Um, all my hot water bottle heat packs over my my uterus, like, you know me, (laughs) even the fertility massage, like, yes, fertility massage is practiced outside of Chinese medicine. But for me, what led me into that was learning about getting that blood circulating around to my reproductive organs. And I learned about that through Chinese medicine. Mm. Yeah, so it has had a really big influence on my life when I really looked at it. That's so cool. That's really mm. cool. I love that. But that's that. me. I reckon that's probably all. I, I reckon that's me. Have yeah. you got anything else no, you want to add? No, no, I feel like that's me as well. Um, yeah, and anyone, if you're, if anyone wants to, I guess, get in contact with us personally and ask us more in-depth stuff, like we're so open to that. Obviously happy to share the place I go to as well if anyone's down here on the peninsula. I'm Mel, I'm sure you've got some great places where you are as well, but... Yeah, it's it, uh, we're so happy to chat about this kind of stuff because, again, it's just our personal experiences and we want to share that with other people in the hope that people can try things and maybe find something that works for them. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. All right, guys, if you want to jump on into our Facebook group, that'd be great. It's the PCOS Girls podcast community. I'd love to have a chat in there about Chinese medicine, you know, Mm. like if you have questions, you can put them in there as well. And if you have had your own experience with Chinese medicine and you feel like sharing it, like it's a really nice place to do that. It feels like a very safe space in there. Follow us on Instagram at the PCOS Girls and have a great week. Great week. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. See ya.